This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, ladies, we are starting. We are on chapter 4 of Pirkei Avot. And uh, we are uh, discussing uh, Mishnah 3. Mishnah 3. I believe Levitas. I believe Levitas Ish Yavne. So we know that the Sanhedrin moved to Yavne from Yerushalayim. In fact, one of the three things Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai asked Vespasian, remember Vespasian came to conquer Yerushalayim and he had the walls surrounded and Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was the chief rabbi, smuggled himself out of Yerushalayim to talk to Vespasian he tells Vespasian Hail Caesar, Hail Caesar and Vespasian says, you are liable death penalty twice <laughs> number one is, if I'm Caesar why didn't you come before? Why do you take two years to come? And number two is, the Caesar's alive in Rome. You just committed treason. You're telling me I'm Caesar when Caesar's alive. You're treason. Straight away it says, a horse came riding all the way from Rome. Can you imagine? And says, hail Caesar. <laughs> Caesar died. You are the new Caesar. Vespasian, you're the new Caesar. Vespasian, wow, that's amazing. The rabbi just called me Caesar. And here the messenger just calls me Caesar. It's amazing. So he said, Rabbi says, you hit, your, you hit your lucky day. This is your lucky day. You have three wishes. Three wishes. So what should he have asked for? What should he have asked for? Come on, let's go. What should he have asked for? The Romans are surrounding Yerushalayim. What should he have asked for? Yerushalayim. Save Yerushalayim. Save the bit of Mikdash. No, he doesn't say that. He says, give me the city of Yavne. I want to move the Sanhedrin to Yavne. Give me the descendants of David Amelech. Make sure you don't kill the Mashiach, the Mashiach's line, the Messianic mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. And number three, give me a doctor to heal Rabbi Tzadok, who was fasting for many years, that Yerushalayim will not be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Kiva says, afterwards, the comment of Rabbi Kiva is, what's going on over here? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. You should have asked for the obvious. So, the rabbi's answer says, tafasta miruba lo tafasta. Sometimes you ask for too much, you get nothing. No, get nothing. Right. So he knew, he's right. not going to save Yushalayim. He's, he's besieging Yushalayim for two years. He's not going to go away and leave it alone. So we find that the rabbis moved to Yavne. So that's what this Mishnah is telling us. Rabbi Levitas ish Yavne. Here is Rabbi Levitas from Yavne. Yavne today is, you have the big yeshiva there, Kerem Yavne, very big yeshiva there. Based on exactly what we're talking about, based on the Sanhedrin's move, to Yavne, it's called Kerem Yavne. It was like a vineyard of Yavne. The vineyard was not a vineyard of vine; it was a vineyard of learning. It's a vineyard of Torah, Torah study. So this is Rabbi Levitas, Ish Yavne, Omer. Meod meod ruach. A person should be very, very humble. You know, it's very hard to be humble. A person should be very, very humble. And uh, we're going to see the tricks of learning to be humble. How does a person learn to be humble? So it's interesting. There's an interesting Chovat Levavot. The, one of the first Musar books in history was a book called Chovat HaLevavot. The Duties of the Heart. You've heard of it? Yeah. Duties of the Heart. We did. Part of it. Excellent. You'll be the longest member. You're the longest member of our class. Rachel's been here with her from the beginning. <laughs> She's very Amen. Amen. No, I just have more experience. So, he said, I've been Duties of the Heart was written by Rabachia ibn Pakuda in Spain in the first uh, the 10th century, 10th century CE, 10th century CE, one of the first volumes of Musar. And uh, it's an amazing book, amazing. 
It was written in Arabic and translated to Hebrew and then translated to English. So you can get it today. There's many different volumes in English. Uh, Feldheim translated, Duties of the Heart. It's very hard. The first section is very, very hard. He talks about philosophy. So I'd recommend going to the second section. Skip the philosophy. Go to the second <laughs> section. Practical faith in God, belief in God, and other things which he talks about. Somebody has a very interesting comment over there. What do you do in the bathroom? You know, a Jew's mind doesn't stop. So you're learning Torah outside. Now, what do you do in the bathroom? You're not allowed to learn Torah in the bathroom. Right. You're not allowed to think about God. You're not allowed to learn Torah. So what do you do in the bathroom? Go. <laughs> you're very practical, but you're going to think. What is your mind thinking about? So he says amazing thing. He says it's a time to learn humility. The person in the bathroom thinking about it. You know, Paro pretended he was a god. What, how did he pretend he was a god? He never went to the bathroom. Not in public, at least. Right. You sneak off to the river in the morning. And that's, where, that's why it says, Hashem tells Moshe, go to Paro in the river. Always go in the river in the morning, go early to Paro. When he's pretending to be a god and show him, hey, you're not god, Paro. So, same thing I do. Same thing we have to think about. When we go to the bathroom, we have to think, we're human beings. We're, what are we? There's bags of garbage inside. A person's got to realize, who are we? So a person thinks, I'm so great, I'm so this. So in the bathroom, that's a way to learn humility. A person learns humility in the bathroom. And then when we come out, we say, praise Hashem, thank you Hashem for giving us this ability to go. It's so painful without it. So it's very, very important to learn humility. That's a very simple way of learning humility. Because every time a person goes to the bathroom, what are they going to think about? I'm carrying this garbage around with me wherever I go. I'm like a bag. What am I? A piece of... Anyway, uh, we find Abraham Avinu says that. Anuchi afar va'efer, Abraham Avinu says. I am dust and ashes. And David Abedach says, Anuchi rima v'tole'ah. I am a worm. Hard to say. And Moshe and Aaron say, v'nachnu ma. What are we? Because we're nothing. We can't even describe ourselves. We are nothing. We are what? We are zeros. Imagine the most... The greatest people in the world were the most humble people in the world. Greatness in Judaism is measured by the humility and by the happiness. If you're happy, that's a very high spiritual level. People don't realize that. It's a very high spiritual level to be happy. It's impossible to be spiritual and unhappy. How do we know? Shaul HaMelech. What happened to King Saul? He lost his kingdom. He lost his kingdom. Remember he lost his kingdom? How did he lose his kingdom? He didn't follow instructions. He didn't follow God's instructions and he refused to admit that he didn't follow God's instructions. Mm-hmm. He refused to admit it over and over again. Shmuel is rebuking him. refuses to admit it. Until finally Shmuel says, that's it. Hashem has ripped your kingdom away from you. So it says straight after that he got very, very depressed. And uh, what did he do? He, had to, he hired a musician. What do you do when you're depressed? Listen to music. Very, very good advice. Listen to music. He didn't know at that point that David was just anointed as the melech. Right, exactly. He and eventually he realized. Don't worry, he realized. He realized. When David beat Goliath, then he realized this is not an ordinary person. This person is a very special person. He started getting very jealous. But we find that it's impossible to be spiritual. You can't be spiritual and sad. Spirituality is based on Happiness is why Shabbat is so important to eat and drink and be happy. Why? Because you want to feel the spirituality of Shabbat. You can't feel it when you're depressed. And it's the worst time for spouses. That's the time they fight the most. It's very tragic. It's very tragic. It's the opposite. It should be the opposite. It's a day for happiness and rejoicing around the table. And that's why it's important to have guests. 
Because when you have gas, you're least likely to fight. <laughs> when you have no gas, uh, you're alone. Uh, which is very ironic. It's very ironic. It's very ironic. Think about it. It's very ironic. It's Asur. It's Asur to fight. Husbands and wives must learn to enjoy life together. And that's what it's about. Learning to enjoy life. Hashem will ask you when you go to Shemaim, did you enjoy your time on my earth? Everyone says, wow, what an earth you made, Hashem. You know, the sky and the sun and the moon. And the... So Hashem wants to hear a good report. When you go to Hashem, everything's bad over here. You know, you gave me a wife, she's a disaster. Look, I'm not... Adam Arishon. Terrible thing to say. The woman you gave me. Terrible thing to say. Blame God for all these troubles. It's the worst thing you can tell Hashem. Hashem doesn't want to hear complaints. No one wants to hear complaints. Anyone want to hear complaints? No, Baruch Hashem. We don't know hearing complaints. No one likes hearing complaints. Hashem doesn't like hearing complaints either. Hashem likes a person who comes. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. That's what he likes. Because when you start complaining, it's a bad sign. It means the person inside is not happy. And they're not happy. Ah, that's your problem. You're not happy. We have to make ourselves happy. Okay. So what do we say? Rabbi Levitas Ishiavner says, Me'od, me'od, It's not enough to be humble. You've got to be very, very humble. Who is very, very humble? Moshe Rabbeinu Anav me'od mikoladav He was very humble More than any other person Well how did Moshe Rabbeinu Get to be that humble? <coughs> we talked about this In one of the classes Let's go How did Moshe Rabbeinu Become very humble More than anyone else? Because he was the closest To Hashem Who is he comparing himself to? We compare ourselves To other people Oh I know more than this guy More than that guy More than that guy, more than that guy. I'm much bigger than them But Hashem, he's comparing himself To God How can If you compare yourself to God what am I in, in, in comparison to Hashem? I'm a zero. So Moshe Rabbeinu had humility based on his relationship with God. Interesting. But you do find great people who had relationships with God and became more proud. You find Yeravon ben Nevat, who was the head of the Sanhedrin in the time of Shlomo Melech, yeah. and eventually becomes the king of Israel, whose closeness to God made him more proud. Why? Because who look who I am. I have a, I have a communication with God. Look who I am. I'm the greatest. I'm, I'm the top. So it's very dangerous. It's very hard to be humble. Very hard to be humble. So the question is, what is humble? What does humility mean? Humility does not mean, I'm a zero, I'm a zero, I'm a zero. Wrong. Humility means, I know where my strengths are, but I know my strengths come from God. My strengths come from God. That's humility. Everything I've done is not me. It's me plus God. It's me plus the uh, GPS. God... Uh, positional system. So, you know, Hashem is in charge. GPS, that's God. God is the GPS in our lives. Hashem is guiding me. And if you look at your life, you'll see Hashem, if you listen. Some people don't listen. That's our trouble. We don't listen. Hashem is guiding you and you say, no, Hashem, I don't listen. So Hashem guides us through our parents. Hashem guides us through our rabbis. Hashem guides us through the Torah. That's the guide. You know, sometimes you want to listen to the guide. Well, you're going to fall off the path. Because what is halakha? Halakha is the pathway. It's a way of walking. You don't follow halakha, you're going to fall off the path. It's very dangerous and it's very it's troublesome. And people get hurt. And they say, why did I get hurt? Well, you've left the path. You left the beaten path. Right? The path of the just. You left the path of the just. So he says, Why? What can a person hope for? Imagine, this is a terrible thing to say. What can a person hope for? And the answer is, we can hope for worms. That's what we hope for. What is the end of a person? It's not very pleasant. Rima. Rima. Rima v'tolea. So in other words, what do we have for? What's the end of man? You know, it's, it's worse in our cemetery over here. We have not just worms. We have, what are they called? Who knows what's going on in the cemetery? Things that go underground. What are they called? 
Groundhogs. <laughs> so don't be buried in our cemetery. You don't have a tithe in our cemetery. Yeah. So it's very hard. Listen, person doesn't. And these worms come from our own stomachs. That's the trouble. We breathe them. So that is the hope of man. So wasn't we get so proud? Person gets so proud, so full of themselves. It's so dangerous to get proud, because every time a person gets proud, it comes before a fall. Person's going to know when they get proud, it's leading to a fall. That's what's going to happen. Rabbi Yochanan ben Berachomim, this is very hard, very, very as well, very tough. A person who, who desecrates God's name in private. And what does that mean to desecrate God's name in private? So the answer is every time a person does a sin in private, they're desecrating God's name in private. No one knows about it. But a person knows that I don't believe in God so much. Because if God was really watching me, I would never do this. So what happens is, for a split instant, we don't believe Hashem is watching us. Or you, a person says to himself, you know, Hashem is watching, He doesn't care. Oh, you just denied Hashem's hashgacha. He doesn't care, He cares. Hashem cares about every little thing. You think your parents don't care? Of course they care. Every second of the day they care about you. So Hashem's caring is much greater than that. And therefore, a person who does something in private is desecrating his name in private. What does that mean? Desecrating God's name. It means you're desecrating the fact that you believe in Him right here, right now. I don't believe He's watching me right now. I believe He took a break. Gezel and Gneva. Very good. So Gezel is daytime robbery. Daylight robbery. Daylight robbery, you have to pay back what you stole. A person steals at night, he's got to pay? Double. Double. Kefen. Double. Why? Because not only did he, did he deny people, he denied God as well. So he denies God as well as people. So people can't see me and God can't see me. A person who goes, steals in the day, he says, God can't see me, but people can see me. So he, doesn't, he denies one thing. A person who steals at night denies two things. So he's putting God on the same level as man. God and man can't see me. So he doesn't have... So when it comes to man, he doesn't have the chutzpah. When it comes to God also, he doesn't have the chutzpah. In the day, he has chutzpah only to man. He only pays once. So, but it's imp- important, this idea of having... It's so hard to get to this point where a person has, f- has fear of Hashem in private. We say in our prayers in the, in the, every morning, Le'olam yadam kebagalui. A person should be fear of God in private as well as in public. So in the public, a person acts... You see this today. A lot of people are great rabbis sometimes. And not so many. Priests. In public, they're saints... And in private, they're disasters. So that's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's very hard. It's very easy to talk. It's very easy to act. But it's very hard. That's why I say only your spouse really knows you. Only someone really close to you really knows you because they're with you nearly 24-7. My kids know me. At least my daughter. Thank God she's away. <laughs> this girl would watch me like a hawk. Every little thing. You know, people don't realize you're on stage. You're a parent. You're on stage. You have little kids with big eyes looking at you and watching every little move you make. And you've got to give a good example. If you don't give a good example, they can remember that and say, "Oh, my father was two-faced. My mother's two-faced. What am I going to do? I'm going to be two-faced as well." That's Judaism. Judaism is put an act outside and come back and do. No, it doesn't work like that. And that's why you see some people, the kids, come out really rotten because the parents did things in private they shouldn't be doing, and the kids pay attention. Mm-hmm. so it's got to be one message it's got to be one and that's what he's saying so a person should not desecrate God's name in private that's desecrating God's name in private how you behave at home so there's no one watching 
So what happens when a person does things privately? Hashem pays him back in public. Terrible. It's a terrible thing. That's why we should do teshuva every day. That everyone should do teshuva and uh, not get to this point where Hashem will pay them back. We don't want to get paid back. We just want to please Hashem, forgive us for all our sins. Uh, all the times in private, we fooled ourselves. Uh, you know, that, that's the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah doesn't stop. The Yetzirah does not stop bugging a person. Do this, do this, do this, do this. And you've got to keep fighting. You've got to keep fighting. You've got to keep battling. Until a person gets to the point of David HaMelech says, Libi halal My heart is empty within me. David HaMelech got to the point where he destroyed his Yetzirah. It was already too late. It was already an old man already. Now, if he did everything, then he destroys Israel. It's a battle to the end. It's really a battle to the end. It's either the Yetzirah or us. Because what is the Yetzirah? The Yetzirah, the rabbi says three things. The Yetzirah, the evil inclination. The evil inclination comes and tries to get us. And then the Satan goes and accuses us. And then the Malach HaMavid comes and kills us. And they're all one power in the world. All three are one power. Power of evil in the world. It's a power of evil whose mission it is to prove to God that we are evil. That's his mission. Hashem says, okay, go prove it. It's the same angel, the rabbis say, who is one of the greatest angels. You know, most angels have six wings, whatever that means. Don't take it literally. So the Yetzirah had 12 wings. The, the Samach Mem. I don't want to say his name. The angel starts Samach Mem. And uh, he had 12 wings. He was the greatest angel. And he recommended to God, don't create man. Don't create mankind. Why? Mankind is going to sit. So he has to prove it. How does he prove it? He tries to make us sit. That was his mission. His mission was to prove. God says, okay, I'm going to show you. Go prove it. Make them sin. Okay, he's having a blast. Right now he's having a blast. He's doing a very good job. So, Rabbi Yochan ben Broca says, don't sit in private, because you sit in private, it's, number one is, you're shem shamayim in private. No one knows about it, but God knows about it. You're desecrating God's name in private. Because every time you show you don't believe in him, you're removing a little bit of spirituality from the world. We don't really realize what our deeds do. Our deeds... Have a, we can either increase spirituality in the world, which is God's presence in the world, or we can decrease a spirituality in the world by doing things even in private. You're decreasing the, the spirituality of God in the world. God leaves the world a little bit more. The more you bring God into the world, the more He's in the world. Less you bring God into the world, less He's in the world. What does that mean? Less, less concentration. There is less sensitivity for other people. People don't feel the spirituality. But if you feel the spirituality around you, the people say, hey, I feel the spirituality then there must be a God in the world. So, Echad Shogeg Lechabezit, Bechul Hashem. Schil Hashem is the worst sin. Rambam says, there's three, there's four levels of forgiveness. Everyone with me? Four levels of forgiveness. Okay, everyone writing this down? Very, very important. Rambam, Echot Yeshuvah. Number one, a person breaks a positive mitzvah. For example, positive mitzvah. Live in the sukkah. Go in the sukkah. Positive mitzvah, shake the lulav. A positive mitzvah. Give me, give me, keep Shabbat. Make Kiddush. Positive mitzvah. A person doesn't make Kiddush one Shabbat. Rambam says, he does teshuva, he's forgiven on the spot. A positive mitzvah, he's forgiven on the spot. A person forgot to say the Shema. A positive mitzvah, he's forgiven on the spot. Hashem, I promise you, I'm sorry, I regret it. I'll never do it again. I'll make sure I say the Shema every day, every morning. Hashem says, Forgive it on the spot. Amazing. A negative mitzvah with no major punishments. A negative mitzvah. It takes teshuva and it takes troubles. <coughs> troubles. What I understand. It takes teshuva and Yom Kippur. 
So Yom Kippur comes, the negative mitzvah, he's forgiven. Number three is positive and negative mitzvah where there's punishments from the Beit and from the, whatever, the Torah says, death penalty, karet, all these things, three things. Teshuvah, Yom Kippur, and troubles. Okay? That's the third level. Troubles as well. I don't understand the troubles. Troubles means, what is troubles? I want to take out, the one says, what is the smallest trouble a person can get in this world? I want to take out a quarter from my pocket. And a dime comes out. That's the smallest. I wish all our troubles would be like that. Right? We're just waiting at a traffic light in Highland Park. Sar. <laughs> all our troubles should be like that. You know, the famous story, it says, uh, uh, who's the rabbi writes all these books? Uh, rabbi Dr. Tversky. Abraham Tversky, right? Mm-hmm. So he writes over there, he was at the Kotel. He went to the Kotel. He went to Israel. He's at the Kotel. He sees the guy crying at the Kotel. He couldn't take it. He says, tell me, he says, why are you crying? He said, my wife is very sick. He says, give him a bracha. Your wife should get well. He said, Rabbi, let me give you a bracha as well. Now you have many small problems and not one big one. So we pray all our troubles should be many small troubles and not one big trouble. There's Radisham, many small troubles. So why do we need that troubles? And the answer is to atone for what we did. So a person does something, something major, a positive, negative mitzvah which has major consequences in the Torah. So you need Teshuvah, you need Yom Kippur, you need troubles. And then Chilul Hashem, which is the worst, desecrating God's name. If a Jew does something, especially in public, and the whole world is talking about them. The more people talking about them, the more bigger the Chilul Hashem. Terrible Chilul Hashem. The less people talk about it, the smaller the Chilul Hashem. But there's no, there's no forgiveness for Chilul Hashem until one's death. Death atones. So you need four things. Teshuvah, Yom Kippur, troubles, and, and uh, death. So Chilul Hashem is the most serious sin a person can do. It's how they behave and how people view them and how God's name is suffering. If God's name is not suffering, or God's name is being praised, uh, for example, the guy who, who, who found the drawer, in the drawer, he had $80,000. Remember that story? He bought a furniture, furniture and he finds $80,000 in the drawer. Imagine, I wish I could find $80,000. And what does he do? He calls off all the newspapers. He said, listen, I'm a religious Jew and I'm going to give it back. The only reason why I'm giving it back is because I'm a religious Jew. He wants to make maximum Kiddush Hashem. And he made a lot of Kiddush Hashem. Or the owner, the Fer, uh, Mr. Fürstein, who had uh, mills in, where is it? In Boston, in the area. Uh-oh. And he had employees, 2,000, 3,000 employees, and the mill burned down, right. and he kept on paying them. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm going to rebuild the mill, not because I need the money, I'm getting insurance money. I'm going to rebuild the mill to, for my employees. In the meantime, he's paying the expenses. Right. So that's Kiddush Hashem. Chil Hashem I don't want to go into. But we, everyone makes Chil Hashem sometimes. Depends how you behave in the store, how you behave in the bus. And people who recognize you as a religious Jew, that's a Chilash Hashem. I was going to make Kiddush Hashem and not Chilash Hashem. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes. You said something like if you do less or do things to make God unhappy, he's less in the world. Did you say that? Yes. What does that mean? It means. Oh. What does that mean? What does that mean? Let's try to explain that. It's a very, it's a very hard but thing to explain. What you said, I didn't yes. The question is, she, she asked him a question. So I said, depending on how you behave, how people behave, that's how much presence of God there is in the world. What does that mean? So the answer is, when there's a man like Abraham Avinu, let's take the example, Abraham Avinu, right? Abraham Avinu comes to Canaan. What does he do? He starts building altars and starts building sacrifices to God. He's announcing there's a God. He starts calling places with the name of God. 
he starts advertising, having guests to spread the name of God. All of a sudden, people are start talking about God. So God's presence is now in people's minds. That's what I mean. People's, now God's presence, people are thinking about God. Before Abraham Avinu came to Canaan, people weren't thinking about God. Oh, and it sounded to me like he, you know, God is around all the time, so you made it, to me, it seemed like you were saying. He's around all the time, but only when you think about him, he's really there for you. When you think about him, he's there for you. When you don't think about him, he's not there for you. Ramam says that. Ramam says, and as David Amalek says in Tilim, Koma Koma Shehazkir Chemi, Every place you mention my name, I will come and bless you. So it depends. If you, name, if you mention his name, the more we say Hashem, 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 Hashem says, I'm with you. Baruch Hashem. The less you say Hashem, 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 the less he's around for you. The less divine providence there is on the individual. The more a person thinks, Rabban says an amazing thing. He says, if a person thinks of Hashem all the time, they cannot be touched by anyone. They'll never be touched. Uh, there was a rabbi in the Second World War who was, I think, Rabbi Baruch Bear's son. And his rabbi told him, if you think, there's nothing else but Hashem, nothing can touch you. So he says he got away. It was the early time of the war. He got away from the Germans. He was on the, on the train. He's thinking, and a German soldier passes by and he starts trembling. He starts forgetting. He's asking for his papers. Yeah. And he's thinking, okay, he come back, gave him papers, go, go. Go. So a person thinks Hashem is with them, nothing can happen to them. Once they forget, one second, it's enough. It says David Amelech, Hashem says, I'm gonna you're gonna die on your seventieth birthday, around your seventieth birthday. He said, Watch day. I'm not telling you which day. So all day he's saying to Elim, he's praising, praying, learning Torah, and just one Shabbat, he hears a noise in his backyard. Uh-oh. And he goes out to investigate. And he fell down, and that was it. So once you just leave, a person's going to think about Hashem all the time. It's so hard to think about Hashem all the time. Rabbi, yes? I think that also it's good to have the Mesut because you all the time, when you pass by them. The only danger is, you get so used to it, you forget why you're kissing it. Oh. It's very important not to forget. You're kissing Rabbi. God's name inside. There's God, is Hashem is watching you. Hashem is with you all the time. So it's, once it's a reflex, that's a child, it becomes a reflex. It's very important. It's very hard to be from from birth. Baltashim is the best. You know why? It's new, it's exciting, it's fantastic. But if you've been doing it all your life, it gets very, it gets very stale. A person kept Shabbat all their lives, it gets stale. It's very important not to get it stale. A person's got to keep it fresh all the time. That's the hardest part. Hardest part of being Jewish is to keep it fresh. To be fresh. Keep your prayers fresh. Keep your attitude fresh. Keep the Torah fresh. So it's very important to keep it fresh. And uh, that's the advantage of a Baal That's why Baal Teshuvah says it's greater than a Tzaddik. Why? Because a Baal Teshuvah, everything's fresh for the Baal Teshuvah. It's a learning experience. I like doing this because this, is ex- this makes, makes me feel better. But, but I've been doing this for years. But, you know, kissing a mezuzah for years. And I got too used to kissing a mezuzah, I forgot what it's about. Yeah. It becomes a habit. So dangers of making things into a habit. Dangerous of making a mitzvah into a habit. That's a danger. So every day a person is going to re- accept upon themselves the Torah from fresh. Be fresh. Just like Hashem is mechadesh yom tamid. He renews the creation every day. We have to renew our commitment every day. Every day is... Every day is... New. New. Every day is Shavuot. Every day is Day of Judgment. Every day. Why Shavuot? There's no date. You know that? Shavuot is a festival with no date. It's 50 days after Pesach. It doesn't say with date. Tell us the date. There's a debate in the Gemara. What date is it? Is it the 6th of Sivan? The 7th of Sivan? There's no date. Why is there no date? Every day you accept the Torah. 
There's no date for Rosh Hashanah. You know that? Rosh Hashanah, it tells you, is... It doesn't, say, it doesn't even call it Rosh Hashanah. What does it say? On the, on the first of the seventh month, it will be a festival for you. Right. It doesn't say what festival. It doesn't say it's the Day of Judgment. Why? Because every day is the Day of Judgment. Every day. Every day. Every day is a new day. Every day we're recreated. We have to think of ourselves. Can you imagine? Hashem gives us a chance every day. Can you imagine? The person said, did the worst things. Now Hashem says, here's a new day for you to start again. Start fresh. He did the best things yesterday. Let's try and keep that going today. Every day, let's start afresh. And it's such a nice, it's like turning over a blank new page. Every day, Hashem gives you a blank new page. What are you going to write on that page? It's up to you. Every day, we have a blank new page. So let's make the most of it. How do you make the most? What's the biggest mitzvah you can do in your life? Kiddush Hashem. Kiddush Hashem. Kiddush Hashem means sanctifying God's name. How do your neighbors view you as a Jew? How do your friends view you as a Jew? And if you're a religious Jew, you've got even more responsibilities. So I was just thinking about yesterday. I was talking about the, the uh, Eurovision Song Contest. Heard of it? Yeah. It's going to be in Israel. Is that a blessing or a curse? The Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, you guys are not tuned in. Oh, that's good. It's a good sign. The Eurovision Song Contest is a, is a European contest of who can, which country can win the best singer title. Right. Last year, Israel won it. Yeah. Is that good or bad? Okay. So, uh, so now this year it's going to be in Tel Aviv because they won it. It's going to be in Tel Aviv on a Shabbat. Oh, that's not good. It's not right. good at all. Uh, so, so what happened was singers who uh, yeah, would have yeah. uh, that's that's Kiddush Hashem. The singers, right. a group of singers, said, "You know what? Shabbat, we're not going to sing." Right. That's Kiddush yeah. Hashem. Oh, really? Yeah. So even in the right. Kiddush Hashem, there's yeah. a Kiddush Hashem. Thank God for them. They they made a Kiddush Hashem. So that's what I'm talking about, making a Kiddush Hashem that says, "You know what?" Or uh, uh, a person who's, you know, he can't play basketball, it's Shabbat. I don't play right. basketball on Shabbat. It's a Kiddush Hashem. So that's the Kiddush Hashem. So one Kiddush Hashem can outweigh many Hashems. We are moving on. We are moving on. We are moving on to Mishnah Hey, Rabbi Yishmael. Rabbi Yishmael was the son of Rabbi Yochanan, according to this, uh, this, this uh, opinion. Rabbi Yishmael says... Now, when you learn Torah, yeah. what should be your reason to learn Torah? Why should a person learn Torah? What are we learning Torah for? Number one. Let's go. For the sake of learning Torah. Sake of learning Torah. Beautiful. I'm learning Torah because God says to learn Torah. Where does God say to learn Torah? We have a mitzvah. We have a mitzvah to talk words of Torah. Torah. You know, I was in an Ashkenazi yeshiva, and the Rashi, you know, Ashkenazi had pronunciation. So he says, look, look at this, look what he says. He says, the Russians have the atom bomb. The Americans have the hydrogen bomb, and we have the Barta bomb. <laughs> it doesn't work with a Sephardi pronunciation. That's cute. So we have the Barta bomb. We have the mitzvah of speaking the great Torah. So that's mitzvah number one. It is a mitzvah. When you learn Torah, you're learning Torah because God said to learn Torah. Number two. Makes you a better person. Learn Torah to change who you are. Right. Very good. That's number two. Number three. Let's go. Um, to become closer to Hashem. To become closer to Hashem. Okay, go on. Next. Learn Torah. Why are we learn Torah? Make us better people. Hashem told us to do it. To be, get closer to Hashem. What else? To keep the mitzvot. 
if I don't learn Torah, I won't know how to keep the mitzvot. Lishmor. Velasot. To guard the negatives and to keep the positives. And lilamid. And to teach others. People forget that part. Because we're so used to learning for ourselves. What about teaching others? There's a mitzvah to learn. Lilmod, lamed, lishmor, velasot. Four things. Lilmod, to learn for ourselves. That's the mitzvah of learning Torah, which is just pure intentions of learning Torah. Lilmod, lamed, to teach others. Very, very critical. You're going to see how teaching others can affect you so much. So when you teach, when you learn in order to teach, it's much clearer for you. Because now you have to give it over. We don't have because you're teaching us. Well, you can teach others. You come home. Uh, yesterday, yesterday, it's very, very beautiful. Yesterday, a girl and her father came to me in the middle of Kiddush. We make Kiddush over here for Shabbat morning. And uh, the father went for, to reach for some cookies. And the girl said, Daddy, no, we, we talked about it last week. The rabbi was talking about it. these things are not mezonot, they're shakol. That means you're not Yotze Kiddush if you have shakol. If you have a corn chip, you're not Yotze Kiddush. You need to have a kazait of mezonot. If you don't have a kazait of mezonot, you're not Yotze Kiddush. People don't know that. So here's the example. So she is now teaching. What she learned from me, she went to teach her father. Her father said, oh, gosh. <laughs> but he listened to her. So he went. So it's an interesting thing. That's it. So we forget. You learn, pass it down. You learn something, pass it down. It's very important to get, to get to the habit of whatever you learn, teach someone. Have a mission in life to teach someone. Do you know, discuss it around the table. Just, do you know what the, we learned today? Do you know what we are with the shir? This is what we learned. It's very important to pass down the message because then you become a conduit. You become a conduit. So it's one thing to receive something, there's another thing to hand it over. So you become a conduit. And the conduit is much higher. That's what we're talking about right now in this mission now. Rabbi Shmuel says, Torah lamed. Here we are, look at this. A person learns Torah not just for themselves, but to teach others as well. They give them the ability to learn and to teach. So if you want to teach others, you're going to get double, you're going to get double blessing. A blessing is not just to love for you. When you teach others, you're mezake them. What is he mezake them? You're building up an investment in them. And then whatever they do, you get credit. You get in, interest payments. Imagine. It's like, uh, what's it called? What are these uh, multi-layer, multi-layer marketing? What's it called? Pyramid. pyramid. Exactly. You're building a pyramid. Right? Everyone you teach, they say, wow, I learned this. So now they're going to do. You just got a percentage of what they do. And then they teach others. You get another percentage. You get another percentage. Right. It keeps on going. It's amazing. Miracle. Imagine Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu's merit. Mm-hmm. Everything we have is from him. Can you imagine his merit? <laughs> so now I'm doing something. Why? Because the, the rabbis taught me this. But where did the rabbi get it from? He got it from him, and he got it from him. Yeah. We got it from Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeah. So Moshe Rabbeinu has invested in all of us. Abraham Avinu gave us the example. So Abraham Avinu, every time you have a guest, Abraham Avinu is getting credit. Abraham and Sarah, she baked all the food. She's getting credit. Every time you go and bake your challah, think about it. Sarah is getting credit because she's the first one to bake challot. Imagine, think about it. Amazing. She's the first one to light candles. Right. She's getting credit every time you light candles. We're falling in a path. So you've invested in others. You just built up a multi-level marketing. You just built up your, your pyramid. You're building up your pyramid. The more people you reach, the bigger your pyramid gets. Amazing. Today with the internet, you can reach, you can reach a lot of people. So hopefully this tape also. People, people are going to watch it. And they're going to pass it down. And people are going to see it. And there's a very big zikhut. The brothers who put up this organization, imagine what the merit they have. Two brothers. They have beautiful names, these guys. So, Kol Yaakov brothers. The Kol Yaakov, the voice of Jacob. <laughs> so, Kol Yaakov brothers. 
uh, wherever they are, they're from Queens, Muncie, they have tremendous merit of putting up an organization where there's hundreds of thousands of tapes and millions of people watching. Amazing, amazing. What are I'm not familiar with? Torah Anytime. Here we are. Oh. See this over here? It says Torah Anytime on it. So, who built the organization? Two people, two brothers had this oh, idea. Wow. So, you can imagine how many people they're reaching. And that's the miracle. That's the, the pyramid. They're building up a pyramid of merits. A pyramid of merits. So, that's what we can do. How do you build a pyramid of merits? Your children, obviously. If you teach your children and they follow through and they teach their children, they teach. That's what we're trying mm-hmm. to do. We're trying to build a chain of tradition. Where you're getting percentages down the road, all the way down the road. Automatically, when I do a mitzvah, my, my father, Allah Vashon, a blessed memory, today's his yard site, so it's a very good day. He's getting credit in Gan Eden, and his father, and his father, and his father, and his father, and my, my mother's uh, for parents, and her parents, and keep on going back all the way. And they're, they're looking down at you saying, Wow, thank you so much. Keep it going, keep it going. Thank you so much, keep it going. Send them up, send up the uh, energies up there. And a person does the opposite, they're not very happy. No. So you can imagine what reception a person is going to get from their relatives when they go to Shemaim. Imagine the grandparents, the great-grandparents, all waiting for you. You so-and-so. Oh, you so nice to see you. You did such a good job. I'm so proud of you. So Bezrat Hashem will get that reception. A good reception. So what's the highest level of learning Torah? So number one is, he says, Very important. Learn Torah to teach others. Then Hashem gives you the ability to learn and to teach. But a person who learns in order to do, he gets the jackpot. Doing is the key. Doing is the key. A person who learns theory, theory is theory. Theory is a book on the shelf. And when you put it to practice, it becomes a living world. It becomes a living Torah. A living Torah is only through a human being. The Torah on the shelf is a dead Torah. The Torah in you is a living Torah. You make the Torah alive. So the Torah is alive. It's a whole different aspect of living. A whole different aspect of living. So then a person wins a jackpot. Hashem gives you the opportunity to learn. Lament, to teach others. Lishmor, to guard the mitzvot and to do the mitzvot. So beautiful. You want to win the jackpot of spirituality? Learn in order to do. Hashem says, you learn in order to do. I'll give you the opportunity to do everything else. To do, to keep, to teach. And to learn. Four things. Okay, that's a very important idea. The idea of what should a person think about when they're learning Torah. And the answer is, I'm learning in order to do. I'm learning in order to put it to practice. I'm not learning. I'm not. This is not a college course, right? Anyone over here getting uh, credits over here? <laughs> well, this is not a college course. This is a course for life. This is, a, this is a course for practice. This is a course to put into practice, not theory. We're not getting, that's the difference between a college course and Torah. A college course is to get credits and to pass the exam. That's a college course. A Torah course is, you get credits in the world above, and the exam is the exam of life. That's the exam of life. And who knows if we're going to pass, fair, we don't know. We hope we'll get past grades. Well, Hashem knows. It's impossible to judge anyone else. We don't know the, we don't know the word for a mitzvah, we don't know the word for an avira, we don't know what, what level, we have no idea. But we're trying our best. So you try your best, that's all God wants. God says you try your best, that's, that's it, you try your best. Rabbi Tzadok says, now, the danger of learning Torah is like this. This is Rabbi Tzadok. So on the one hand is learning Torah, you get tremendous benefits. Rabbi Tzadok says that the danger of learning Torah, and I've seen this also. Don't make the Torah something to give you pride. Don't make the Torah like a crown on your head that everyone will give you honor and give you kavod, and that's the reason why you're learning Torah. This is a very dangerous thing. You find some people, they start learning Torah, and all of a sudden they think they know more than the rabbis. Mm-hmm. 
all of a sudden they're the greatest. Because they learnt a little bit, it gets to the head, and they think they're the greatest, and then other people have to give them honor. So it's a very dangerous thing. Rabbi Tzadok says, be careful, don't make the Torah a vehicle for you to get more honor in the world. We said before, a person does Torah should become more humble, not the opposite. Don't make the Torah into a spade to dig something with. What does that mean? That means uh, a person wants to make it into an, a powerful, uh, I want it to, like a power grab. I know so much Torah, now you have to listen to me. I'm going to use the Torah as a shovel to achieve my ends. No. Now, Hillel was the most humble of all the rabbis. Hillel was the most humble of all the rabbis. And no one could make him angry, remember? Mm-hmm. And those things, two, two things go together. Humility and anger go together. If you can humble, you'll never get angry. If you're not humble, you'll always get angry. So how do we know a person's humble? Just try and get them angry. Don't try me, by the way. <laughs> try and trigger someone's temper. You know the, the story of the girl who got on the shidduch. She went on a date. Mm-hmm. Heard this one before? No. She went on a date. And not a good idea. Don't try this. She goes on a date. And uh, the guy's driving her. And it's a red light, and she takes out his keys from the from the, the ignition, oh, and she puts it in her pocket. <laughs> and the light's turning green. I said, "Give me back my keys! Give me back my keys! Give me back my keys!" Don't get any. Don't lose his temper. Give me back my keys. It's great. Everyone's honking behind me. Give me. So she gives back his keys. He says, "What do you do that for?" So I want to see what you like under pressure. Are you going to lose your temper or not? <gasps> so he passed the test, but she didn't. <laughs> That was the last time he saw her. Okay. He doesn't want to get a wife who's going to take his keys from his car. Every time the red light. Anyway, but it's a, it's a, that's the only way to test people is to see what they're like. There are three, three tests in life. What are the three tests in life? The commander says, you know a person. Bekoso, Bekiso, Bekaso. Bekoso, Bekiso, Bekaso. So what does that mean? Koso is... When they drink, when they drink, when they drink, like on Purim, they know what the person's like. Aye, yes. What kind of mood do they get into? What do they say when they're drunk? You know, it's very easy to find out what a person's like. I'm drunk and, you know, it was a Hashverosh. Hashverosh was so smart. Hashverosh was so smart. You know why? He had a 180-day party for his courtiers, for his, all his main ministers, 180-day party. Can you imagine? Man, sitting through a party of 180 days, that's six months. You guys invited to a party. How long is this party? Six months. Now, what are we doing this party? A lot of drinking. <laughs> Not only drinking, but you have to drink a certain amount. The king says you have to, you decree two cups a day. So now, Pesach, you to drink two cups. Imagine on Pesach, you drink four cups. But you can skip over there. In Pesach, you can do grape juice. Yeah, I do grape juice. But you can over here, you have to drink wine. You drink wine, 15% alcohol, 20% alcohol. You drink the wine, and what does the king find out? He has spies all over. What do they say? They like me, they don't like me. Every day, another guy's coming along, they take him to the prison. Take this guy, offered his head. This guy said this, and it. So what a smart guy. He knew how they were when he got them drunk. So, Bekoso. Number two is Bekiso. You can see how the guy, what does he spend his money on? How generous is this person? You can tell by how he spends. So he asks for volunteers, we need donations, da, da, da. the guy never gives. Not a penny to his, he doesn't pay membership, penny. He doesn't give anything, any appeals, nothing. Aliyah gives a present, which doesn't mean nothing. He didn't give any penny. And that's a skin flint. A skin flint, you can tell by his pocket. You can tell the person, generous, not generous, how they are uh, by kiso, his money. 
sends his kiss to Yeshiva, he spends a fortune. Kiso, you can tell. Uh, and lastly is castle. When he's angry, you'll tell what the person is. What comes out of their mouth, the filter comes out. The name calling, the this. When the person's angry, you'll see what they're really like. The animal part of the person comes out. And as we can see. So what was the first one you said? Mine. Kiso, Koso, Kiso is the pocketbook. Koso is the drinking. And Kaso is when they're angry. That's one way of explaining it. That's the pshat. Bekiso can also mean is, where does his money go? That's your priorities in life. By looking at your expenses and seeing where you spent it, that shows kiso. That shows your priorities in life. That shows what's important to you. So Hashem says, let's see. What's important to you? Where do you spend your money? You went on trips to Israel? Very good. You gave money to yeshiva? Very good. You gave donations to charity? Fantastic. You spent your money on baseball, on hockey, on uh, drinking, on this and that? Not so good. So where, the, where does the money go? Kiso. Kiso is what makes you happy. What do you drink your toast to? Do you drink because the Yankees won? Halavai, they win something. <laughs> or do you drink because uh, Israel is doing well? Baruch Hashem. What do you drink? What do you raise your cup to? What makes you happy? That's the question. Koso. And Koso, what makes you angry? Are you angry because this guy called you a name? Or are you angry because something really important? There's anti-Semitism in the world that makes me angry. No, that's the question. So what, makes, what triggers these feelings of giving? What triggers me to give? What triggers me to get angry? What triggers me to be happy? Then you'll know what the person's like. So that's a very important idea. But the highest level of learning is to learn in order to do. The person learns in order to do. Bez Rashi will all learn in order to do. We'll take what we learn and do it. And we'll take what we learn and pass it down to our next generation. And pass it down to other people as well. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.